Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. going on ladies and gents who are listening to nickish you got your boys mo and nafi here on this december 20th 2021 edition of the show man this is this is one of the last episodes of the year it's crazy how fast 2021 went now that i think about it we're about to hit 2022 uh but you know how you feeling man how, how you feeling about the end of the year coming around i'm feeling jubilant brother like sp- yo not to bury the lead here we, we are a nick's podcast we're gonna we're gonna get into that later, but I'm feeling pretty fucking good because I saw a a a, a priceless, incredible work of cinema the other day in in theater. It's mm. a little known indie flick, somewhat above indie flick. It's Spider Man, if you've heard of it, No Way Home. I don't know if uh, if it rings any bells for you, but it was it was quite good. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm doing good just off that. I don't know how you feeling. How you feeling? Bro? I I I, you know, I think I heard about it. You know, a few people checked it out here and there. It, it's got, it's getting some buzz. I think some buzz. Some buzz. Some buzz. Yeah. You know, um. But no, if you're listening to this right now and you have not watched Spider Man, this is your disclaimer. Stop the show right now. Go watch the movie. Come back and listen to the rest of this episode. Cause also, also, if you have not watched it yet and you're listening to us right now. Just stop listening because you're liable to hear some spoilers. Because I can't. Like, I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. literally what I was saying. <laughs> no, I mean, you said to go watch it. I'm telling them, like, like right now explicitly, if you do, if you don't want to get pissed off at us, just stop listening. Because we're about to spoil the shit out of this shit. Because <laughs> the know, Knicks, for like, because God knows the Knicks ain't giving us something good to talk about. So we might as well talk about real facts. something that's real joyous and brings us actual happiness nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, but, you figure when you're watching the Knicks, you get feelings of nostalgia, some happiness, uh, an emotional roller coaster that ultimately leads to some validation and you know some redemption. But that you don't get that with the Knicks this season so far. But you do get that with Spider Man and exactly. So if y'all are here for Knicks talk, just fast forward to whenever because right now we kicking off with the Spider Man No Way Home talk right now. Because uh, I'm gonna throw it to my brother right now, brother. On a scale to one to ten, why is this moving in eleven? Explain to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, as far as a perfect movie goes, and as someone who's been a fan of Spider-Man for since the nineties with the nineties cartoon on Fox Five, with shout X-Men out Queens, and, shout out and, Queens, <laughs> and all the other you know shows that are going on. I mean, like. The fact that they did exactly what we wanted them to do, mm. and we 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 thought that they might get to get to do, and they put it all together in such a beautiful way. You know, I didn't think that lightning would strike twice with the way I felt with Endgame, but mm. it happened with Spider Man. I I didn't know if they were gonna be able to pull it off, but fuck, they did. Bro, bro, they pulled it all the way off. It's at this point where me as a Marvel stan, I'm far from unbiased. But even then, I'm still impressed when they do pull it off. So if there's people out there that are still doubting the titan that is Marvel Studios, led by the one and only, the the the, the graceful, the prophet, Kevin Feige, you know what I mean? The head of Marvel Studios, the, the executive producer in all these beautiful works of cinema. Don't doubt them ever again, because 
the very fact, like, Tom Holland, he put out, like, a, uh, he had an interview, the, I think it was in GQ, but he was saying how, like, Endgame is, I'm paraphrasing, but he was saying, like, Endgame is elite, Endgame is a classic, but what this flick does, what No Way Home does, weaving together 20 years mm-hmm. of three different franchises and just doing it perfectly and then just putting a nice bow on it at the end. It's 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 incredible because like I put Endgame and Infinity War on a tier of their own. They're in their own plateau, but No Way Home is right there. It's knocking on the door. It's asking to come in and join the club. You know what I mean? So I need to do another rewatch. But yeah, that's my immediate takeaway. Like as far as like initial reaction, bro. That's just how I feel. I, I it might take a second rewatch, but honestly, it might end up hitting top two uh, if if we Oof. you know watch it a second time. And I'm I'm ready to do. It. I'm watching it again in a couple of days. But what, what was Le- it? Five minutes into the movie, and you see Matt Murdock as the lawyer <laughs> catching the brick that went through the window, just caught it right there. As a big fan of Daredevil on the Netflix show, just oof, I did not expect it to come in. We were talking about it the other day, just between us. The timing of them introducing Matt Murdock to the MCU just happened a day after the Hawkeye episode. And, you know, if you didn't watch Hawkeye, spoiler alert, it's coming up in just a sec. With the episode they brought in and the way episode five ended with him saying the big guy's here or the big guy mm. got his attention. And, and you know, it, it shows you a clip or a, a picture of Wilson Fisk talking to, you know, whatever faces her, her mom. <laughs> the fact that they're bringing Daredevil into this, and now it's another franchise being brought into the MCU, it's crazy how much Kevin Feige has done and Marvel Studios has done. And, dude, like, bro, that Charlie man just... Cox is, is, is fucking dope as Daredevil. They just flexing on us right now because I remember you and I, our initial conversations after, what was this, 2019, the, the pre-COVID era for, for our listeners out there, to try to take yourself back to that time before we were all, you know, walking around with masks on. And what have you? Excuse me. We, no way home came out that summer after Endgame. Far from and, home. Oh yeah, far from home. Thank you, thank you. That's why we partners. We 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 pick each other up when one of us is a stumbles. But um, yeah. So after that came out, you and I talked about the fact that like, yo, Peter's gonna need a lawyer. What if it's Daredevil? And then the trailer dropped two mm-hmm. years later. Flash forward. You and I, we're we're such big fans at MCU because how could you not be? But when that trailer dropped, when we saw that scene where somebody like dropped like some like a stack of papers and like a white shirt next to uh, yep. Tom Holland and in inter- interrogation scene, we were like, oh, "That's got to be Daredevil." And conspicuously, that scene was not in the movie because when you were watching that, you see all the interrogation scenes. There was nobody dropping paper or like coming into the <laughs> room. I swear. They probably, like, reacted to the online reaction where everybody was making theories, like, oh, Daredevil, that's got to be Daredevil. They reshot it, because I think that's what the rumor mill was saying, that, like, they brought in folks to, like, redo some final shoots. And, bro, if you're going to introduce, introduce Matt Murdock and just, like, the kind of aura that he brings onto the, onto the screen, because I'm with you, that Netflix show was incredible, bro. It, they did it right. Because in a few short minutes, my, like like my girlfriend has like no familiarity with Daredevil, but in that few short minutes, she she was she went from asking like, "Yo, why is the crowd reacting this way to this person?" to saying, "Oh, okay, I see now." You know what I mean? Because when he caught that brick, bro, <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> I, I damn near stood up and did like a lap up and down the stairs in the theater. I swear to God. I mean, that, that's how you know Marvel listens to their fans because yes, uh, DC had the same opportunity with Justice League when they brought Flash in. And everyone wanted to be uh, the guy who played Flash in the TV show. What was his name? Grant Austin? I don't even know. That sounds made I, I, up. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, like the show Flash is awesome. The, the guy who played, I'm pretty sure it's Grant Austin, uh, did a fucking killer job. And everyone wanted him to be brought into the DC universe. And he wasn't. So, you know, you know, Kevin Feige and Marvel guys got an ear to the crowd and know exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And they brought it with, with uh, Matt Murdock. And just as you progress to the movie, you know, what's the next what's the next scene that pops into your head that just, you know, Bro, got you standing? I'm biased. But when Andrew, my man Andrew, my dog, for those that are not aware, my, my boy Mo knows. But I had the pleasure of meeting Andrew Garfield as he was filming The Amazing Spider-Man. And I had the pleasure of having... Uh, a like like a 10 15 minute talk with him when he was just like filming he was like in a dead in period where like yeah shout yes sir it was at woodside shout out woodside to, to all my peoples out there it was me and a homie um and we just found out that like they're filming the movie that night and yes this is impromptu story time but that's why we we, we come with the elite content you know what i mean we're nickish so that night we heard through the rumor mill you they're filming something in the, in the neighborhood so, like, that night, we go down to where the, we supposedly they're filming. We see the trailers. I see, um, what's his name? Martin Sheen, who was Uncle Ben in The Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man, who, who died. I see him come out of a trailer just looking pissed, like, arguing with his fucking assistant. I'm just like, damn, Martin, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> Face looking mad red. So, we go, just keep walking through the set, like, just walking around the block. We see Andrew Garfield, one of his homeboys, is just like a random, like, I swear he looked like a reject from Fallout Boy. He's just, he's on his phone. This is 2011, I want to say, mind you. He's yeah. wanting some random dumb YouTube videos. He's like, hey, Andrew, come look at this. He's just like that friend that just kept trying to bug Andrew into watching his random dumbass YouTube videos. So we're over there. This man, Andrew, is just like kicking a can, and he looks up. He sees me and my homeboy. I swear to God, let God strike me with light, lightning right now. He comes over and just starts just just talking with us, bro. He was just like, Yo, I got a big brother that's just like a surgeon. And I always find myself trying to measure up to him and like, you know what I mean? Like live up to his legacy. I'm just like, I mean, you're not doing too bad for yourself, Andrew. You're Spider-Man. And he's just like, yeah, but he saves lives. Though. I was like, fair. That's fair. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to argue with you there. But, you know, just keep your chin up. I mean, I didn't say that, but I wish I did. And then we leave. From the, from the premises, and we're talking to each other, and this is pre-social media craze, by the way, before, like, you know, instantly when you fucking, I don't know, grab a latte from Starbucks, you whip out your phone and just, I don't know, take a, take a quirky picture of how, like, your name was misspelled. I don't know. This is 2011, mind you, a decade ago. <laughs> Our instinct was not to take pictures with this man or, like, I don't even think Instagram was a thing back then. So we're, walk, we're walking away. We're about to go our separate ways. We're just like, wait, nobody's going to fucking believe us. So we go back. We're trying our luck, yo. Hopefully he's still there. He is. And we say, hey, Andrew, we're talking to our friends. We told them, we texted them, told them we met you. They don't believe us. So, like, he's just like, all right, so let's make them believe. So he takes his phone from my homie, gives it to his, his friend, and the man takes a picture of us, takes a picture with us. And I swear to God, it was one of the dopest moments I've ever had, and I thought, the fact that he was done dirty the way he was. Like, I get what Marvel was doing, bringing in Tom Holland, doing a fresh reboot of Spider-Man character, but 
part of me at that time when the news came down the pipeline that you know they was doing the spider-man sony and marvel like union bringing him back into the fold i was like yeah hopefully andrew garfield is it but then you know we got tom holland and i love tom i think he's the best spider-man ever but i think andrew garfield was a great spider-man and to round back to your question, what was another moment, was a big moment that stood out aside from, you know, obviously Charlie Cox as Daredevil. It was fucking Andrew Garfield coming through that portal. This man looked mm-hmm. through the portal. He did his little, little, little jog. <laughs> and I swear, when he took that mask off, I screeched like I was a 16-year-old, like, white girl from Long Island, bro. <laughs> I was so happy to see my dog, man. He was getting the redemption he deserved. We brought, Yo. you brought up redemption early on in yep. the podcast. He got, he... I swear, of all the three Spider-Mans, they all killed it. Mm-hmm. But Andrew was the one that put in that like that 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 Kobe Mama mentality performance in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? He was the one that carried. And not to say anything, you know, ins- insulting or derogatory about Toby and Tom, because they killed it. Like Tom, I'm such an MCU stan. I'm about to like do a write-in petition to the Oscars to give him a <laughs> give him a nominee. Because that man, <laughs> you talk about crying your ass off, bro. But, um, nah, what was your favorite moment, aside from, you know, the one and only Daredevil making his long-awaited Yo, arrival in the I remember, I remember that picture. I swear that was your Facebook profile picture for, like, five years. Yo, Tell I mean, me how not. could it not be? That man was <laughs> hugging me like I was, like, his second cousin, bro. Did, did Andrew really say I with his British-ass accent? I can't imagine. I, I don't think he was British. Is he He's British? He's British. He's British. I mean, I think he was still in his Peter Parker mode because he wasn't, like, talking with us with an accent. You know what I mean? Because I, I get it. I get it. Because yeah. wh- I remember at the time, I'm such a nerd even going back a decade where I was reading how, like, yo, Andrew Garfield, of all the Spider-Mans, like, you know, uh, Toby and Tom, he was the biggest fan. He actually grew up like 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 we did, like fans of Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. he, like, was legit, like, into the role. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just, like, turned into a method actor and just never use his british accent but yeah he was cool as shit man like he literally leaned on the fence with us and just chilled like it was fire like i'll never forget that moment and the fact that i saw him like just all these years later a decade later just get his chance to really get that redemption because mind you he's the only one of these trio spider-mans that never got a trilogy or a third installment in his series Uh you know what i mean he was kind of like the middle child and he was done dirty and he put up that MVP performance, you know what I mean? But no, that's that's a perfect way to put it. Middle child, that that's a good ass way to put it. And you mm-hmm. know, he's he's like he's like about our age. I think he's a couple of years older. So he was like 23 or something like that when the movie came out mm-hmm. um in in 2011, but no, like I think outside of Tom, Andrew was the biggest winner from this movie. And you know, me personally, I I love Toby. I think that that's my Spider Man at the end of the day because I was fucking five years old, oh, and that was the man. first that was the first superhero movie outside of like Batman no, from Toby's like, a Godfather. Toby's a Godfather. Yeah, not gonna like I'm that, not gonna hold like, you hold that against you with the, with the CGI and and the director you know director work and the production of, of Spider Man one and two like that was fucking crazy from twenty years ago. But no, me personally, Andrew's movies I thought were mediocre. And I always thought that he was too cool to be Spider-Man. But the mm. irony of it of it all was in that movie, he was kind of put in as that kind of... What, what's the word that I'm looking for? He he was a little soft, and they kind of put mm. him in that light. But he had the most to gain. He ended up being the biggest winner, especially with, with that, that key moment in the movie when he sees MJ falling 
And oh man, dude, I was Let's thinking. Let's go I'm talk like, about I'm, it. Talk about I'm it. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, dude. This is this is the multiverse version. Just the way you know Aunt May died. This is this is MJ's death. Just the way, just like the way Gwen died in in the second Spider-Man movie. I'm like, fuck. As soon as the glider hit Tom, I'm like, fuck. It's a wrap. And then you see Andrew jump in. That. Yo, like, I don't even know how to explain <laughs> that kind of emotion that was felt because that, bro, yo, I'm not even I, gonna lie. I, 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 squeal, I squeal like a pig, bro. I squeal like a pig. When he caught it, when he caught MJ, I was like, yes, <laughs> my fucking dog got his redemption, man. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Gwen That Stacey. was perfect. <laughs> Shout out to the fucking writer for putting that in because that was, Facts. that was, that was beautiful. I mean, here's the thing though. When they released the trailer and you saw that scene where MJ was falling, everybody's initial thought was like, yo, Andrew's got to save her. It's only fucking right. Mm-hmm. And this is to your point about Kevin Feige and Marvel literally doing like, you know, treating their fans right. You know what I mean? They delivered on that, you know, like yep. they gave us that moment. And not only did they give us that moment of him saving her, he gave they gave us a moment of like MJ asking him like, yo, are you OK? And Andrew, mm-hmm. I swear to God, this man needs to get an Oscar. I'm going to go fucking to California and just like kick some people in the fucking nuts and make sure he gets his nomination. Cause that look on his face, the emotion on his face, the tears mm-hmm. that was running down his eyes. Whew! What a f- what a flick, bro! What a fucking yep. flick! Like yo, wh- like aside. So aside from just that that moment though, that initial like moment of like Andrew save or not that initial moment, but like that moment of Andrew saving MJ. What stood out to you as far as it's like, oh, this is going down in the pantheon of MCU moments. Like, any time somebody asks, like, oh, why should I watch the MCU? And you just got to bring up, like, a couple moments that are just, like, the the payoff is in the fact that you follow the MCU. What are the, one of those moments from this flick that really stood out to you? The one that I think of, the, you know, when you ask that question is... You know, you think back to Tom's time in the MCU so far, when it started off in Civil War, and then he got his own two movies. He's always that, that, that kid. You know, you know mm. what I mean? Like that kid who's just kind of acting goofy. You know, throwing jokes and just, just being like an eighteen-year-old, you know, boy in the show. But then that moment when he has his mask off, he's going toe to toe, and and you know, William Defoe is looking at him in that moment towards the, you know, closer to the end of the movie. And he's really he's really baiting him to to hit him, and then you really see the depth of Tom Holland and his acting. Mm. And you know, granted, Tom's done a lot of great other movies, but you didn't see it in him in a Spider-Man costume and Spider-Man fit and really going through with it. Picked up the glider, and you see the emotion, and he's about to hit him, and then Toby stops him, and he's like, he he sees a path that Tom could end up going towards, and then stops him right there and just zooms into his face and. Just that, just that moment when the two Spider-Mans are looking at each other, one who knows the kind of path that the other can go on, the other one is just, who's just trying to get revenge for the death of his aunt. And just just the, just the range of acting that you see on both sides is fucking dope. That, Bro. Like, that was another key moment for me. That shit felt like an acid trip. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. When Toby <laughs> stopped like fucking Tom from like literally like killing the Green Goblin, I was like, "Is this happening right now?" <laughs> Two years ago, if I literally described that scene to myself, I would have punched no. myself in the face. Like, get the fuck out of here! Like, what? That's just fan fiction at its finest. But yo, they pulled it off. Like, holy hell, bro! And, and, and shout out to William Defoe. Like his his Green Goblin voice. I never Yo. appreciated it until Woo. this movie, and you and I. I watched Spider Man One again 
just to, just to hear how he acts as Green Goblin is fucking crazy, dude. Like the level and his his voice, it's it's very Joker esque. And I always thought he was kind of just copying Joker, but no, like that shit is distinct and it's its own unique way. And like just just his voice, it's very, it's up there. You know what I mean? Like top five with Thanos and like facts, facts. I don't, it's I don't not even his voice, bro. Like to add on to your point, it's also just how he was like his facial expressions, how he's, mm. he was emoting, just like. Literally, like, I went to watch it with my girl, obviously. She was just, like, she was terrified of just, like, how this man's face was contorted to turn into, like, a fucking demon. He's Green Goblin, but he looked like a fucking demon. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yo, shout out. Yo, you and I, we, we part of the, the, the wrestling fan, like, community somewhat. You know what I mean? That spine buster, textbook, <laughs> picture-perfect <laughs> form, bro. Yo. Triple yo, H will a, be proud, power bro. Ball. He had, like, two power balls in his pipe. <laughs> That spine buster, I swear to God, it was like rocking his prime. I was like, oh, okay. Norman Osborn means fucking business, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Bro, he picked Peter up and he, yo, he fucked that little boy up, bro. Shout shout out to Peter. Shout out to Tom Holland. I love the goat Spider Man to me, but yo, he got Molly whopped. (laughs) Oh, man. But nah, it tells you just like, that's one of the beauty, the beautiful things of the MCU, though. You could tell when, like, the actors are enjoying themselves and they're buying into the role. You saw that with Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark, right? Mm-hmm. And then with, like, this movie, you're seeing, like, Willem Dafoe. He gets his chance to, like, reclaim that mantle of the Green Goblin. And you could tell he put his all into it. He, I even saw, like, a report that, like, he told him that, like, yeah, I'm not going to do this if I don't get to do my own stunts. I fuck with that heavy, bro. Like, wow. he was basically, like, 66 years old. He's like, nah, like, I'm out here to just, like, in, like just just commit to it. And, bro, it was, that, he killed it, bro. And there's so much from this movie you want to take away. But just him, he stood out, like, uh, like crazy. Because that performance was elite. Word. Now, let me ask you this, though. We got to talk about the elephant in the room or... I mean, with this movie, it was so jam-packed and so elite. There's multiple elephants in the room. It's like a little, like, camaraderie of elephants going on in there. I don't know what you want to call that. Um, What was more devastating? Aunt May dying or Tony dying? It's crazy that you can ask that kind of question and it's still not a quick answer. I know like, my answer. Like I my my, answer. my brain, my brain says Tony, my heart says Aunt May. Yes, exactly. Both my brain and my heart say Aunt May because part of me in the back of my mind going into Endgame, I was like one of the OG Avengers is going to die. So mm-hmm. in that very kind of like a thought process, I was just like I'm I'm prepared for either Thor, Cap or Tony to die. I didn't think Aunt May, Aunt May was going to die just because, like, that's fucking Marissa Tomei. That's Aunt May to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And but... she's not Uncle Ben. You know what I mean? Like, Uncle Ben's Oof. supposed to die. Why the, fuck it, why the fuck is Aunt May dying? How'd you feel about that, though? She, she was the one that delivered that uh, that uh, iconic Uncle Bell line. Uh, Uncle Ben oh, line. I liked you know it. I liked it. That, that was a goosebumps moment. Facts. And uh, Facts. I mean, with, with Endgame, with Tony dying, you kind of knew it a minute before it happened because Doctor Strange kind of foreshadowed it. Yeah, um, you put but up with the Aunt one May, finger. you thought she died and then she got back up and you're like, alright, she good. And then she collapses right there and you're like, fuck. That's some cruel shit, bro. Yeah. Like, 
I love Marvel, but they 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 played with our hearts at that point. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> they faked mm-hmm. us out, and it the thing is, so it was like a telegraph fake. I felt like in the moment I knew this is they was faking us out because that whole time, even before like Green Goblin showed up, and like not even uh, uh, even before he went ham, you know how kind of like the camera was kind of really focusing on Aunt May for a little bit. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, ah shit, we got uh, we got Green Goblin here. If you go back to the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies, Green Goblin attempted to kill Aunt May. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it only makes sense that he would try to do the same with this younger, more naive Spider Man and. Turned out he was successful, bro. And, bro, rest in peace, Aunt May. That shit was, that shit hurt, bro. That shit hurted. Right here. For the <laughs> listeners, I'm rubbing my chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, um, all right. So, the ending, though. I got kind of mixed feelings about it that are generally positive, but what'd you think of it? Like, just, they essentially rebooted the character for, I mean, this is, this is spoilers OD right now, but. That's basically what happened. Yeah. What do you think of that direction? Um. I mean, honestly, with the multiverse, anything is possible. For all we know, they could they could change it right back if they wanted to. I trust them with with the direction they want to go. I. I hope it's not really like a start from scratch feel because it can't be. It's really like his fourth movie, but it's it's a little confusing on what direction they want to go with. Apart from obviously the. Uh, the um, post credit scene. Now, this is really a spoiler with with uh, Venom. I mean, we and, said it from the top. We said it from yeah, the top. This is spoilers. Yeah, Just stop with, listening. <laughs> yeah, like Venom being there, and then it looks like Tom Hardy might not be in this universe, but we're still going to see a black Spider-Man somehow, some way. Maybe they're going to get another Venom. I have, I have no idea. Um, but I do like that we have something to look forward to because Venom and Spider-Man is always dope. So Facts. I like it. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think we're I'm looking forward to seeing how Tom is going to be as he's going to be a, a he's basically taking on the the role of being one of the primary MCU guys now and his his movies are always going to be box office right now. Uh Homecoming I didn't think was that great. Uh Far From Home was great. Home uh No Way Home was a fucking Wait, you didn't like Homecoming? Uh, really? I I liked it, you know, but from from the three, I think the other two stood out a lot more than this nah, one. Nah, I, I rank Homecoming above Far From Home just because oh, yeah? I felt like my whole opinion around that is the fact that like they pulled it off in a way that like it was like a last minute. Yo, yo, we built this entire MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe without literally the mascot of Marvel, Spider Man, basically, and they had to try to shoehorn him back into their story. And I feel like they did it seamlessly yeah. by kind of pulling him into like Tony Stark's spear. Let him be a mentor to him and kind of build him up. And, yo, shout out to just the fucking dumbass, like, this is getting real meta and real, like, down in the weeds. And people that, like, don't spend more than 30 minutes a day online probably don't even care. But there are people out there that was hating on Tom Holland as a Spider-Man because he was apparently Iron Man Jr. You know what I mean? Yada, 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 like, stupid-ass jokes like that. I feel like the way this movie ended... Just addressed all that. It was just like Kevin Feige just giving a middle finger to them. You know what I mean? Because it was mm-hmm. basically came down to the fact that like, okay, we, we nobody knows who Peter Parker is. We're gonna start from scratch. He doesn't have the Tony Stark mm. tech no more. Yeah, he built his whole. His, he, he no, not even he built. He suit, sold his own suit at the end. Mm-hmm. And yo, shout out to the Spider Man animated series you mentioned at the top of the, the at the top of the show. That was on uh, I think it was what Fox Five Fox. Saturday morning. Yep. Woo! iconic bro i'm talking about way back in the day in the 90s but 
at the end of the Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Was it Far From Home or No? No, no Way Home. He was rocking the OG iconic mm. Spider-Man suit, bro. So it's, when we say it was a reboot of the character, Kevin Feige was like, all right, fuck y'all. Y'all want to... They was trying to tell a story because at the end of the day, they were in a situation where like, yo, we have Spider-Man. This is the most iconic Marvel property. Somehow we got to put him into our storylines when we're about to do our biggest event. And they did it perfectly. That's why I love Homecoming, bro. Because I feel like... For what it was and like the like the the moment it pick, it came out a year before Infinity War, you know what I mean. So they yeah. had to like literally like shoehorn the most iconic Marvel character into an iconic story or narrative they were weaving at the time. But I mean, I didn't mean to go on a whole tangent. But no, it's all good. Back to any you. any any final thoughts on Spider Man before we pivot over to? Oh yeah, <laughs> the Knicks. <laughs> I mean, yo. If, if you're still listening at this point and you came for a Knicks podcast, yeah, thank you. But also, just know that, like, the team hasn't had us in a, in a state where we're happy to talk about them. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, Mo and I are real-life people with real-life stresses. So, like, we'd rather talk about some shit that, like, makes us happy. And we just so happened to be in a time where we just had an iconic flick drop. So... Apologies, but also, you know, you're welcome if you do fuck with it. But, yeah, let's talk about our next, bro. How you feel about Kemba? The mm. Kemba comeback narrative. Comeback <laughs> with a K. You see, that's 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 alliteration, I think, was, that's what it's called. Like the um, Kemba comeback. Yeah. No? Okay. There are – that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, There's, there's going to be a lot of thoughts moving forward on what the hell is going on with this team. And truth be told, I have no idea what this team should do, especially with – all these players playing career games before they get taken out for COVID protocols. Uh, Kemba looks like doesn't fall under that umbrella, but it's not too late. Uh, knock on wood, though. Of course, you don't want that to happen. But with with Kemba, he said point blank, point blank that he hated not playing, that he wants to play. And obviously, that puts more pressure on Tibbs. And, you know, I don't know. man. I feel, I've been reading reports here and there about different the camaraderie that we saw last season isn't really there. You know, the post-game uh, shoot-arounds aren't really happening, and they're not really working out together. There's some, you know, some players are kind of, like, you know, not showing that level of respect to Tibbs that other players want. For example, I think IQ, Randall, and Rose show Tibbs that kind of respect that they think he deserves and, you know, don't question anything. But then you got, I think, players like Mitch and maybe even Kemba now that are kind of, you know, poking at him and kind of questioning his authority a little bit, and it's just affecting the team overall. So I'm happy for Kemba dropping 27 on the Celtics. It was a good, nice redemption game for him going against his former team. But overall, I can't. I, I'm not thrilled that you know we, we still got the, we still took an L. I'm not thrilled that it happened, and and I'm not unhappy that it happened. It I just don't think it resolves anything. I think it makes everything more confusing. That's just my truth. Truth be told, response. Let me ask you flat out right now. Would you bring Kemba back into the rotation? Or would you say that, like, once we have all our young guns back from the protocol abyss, that uh, Kemba's going back on the shelf? Or what would you do, basically, if you're tips right now? Say you got everybody healthy, everybody's coming back. What's Mo doing right now? What's Coach Mo doing? If I'm if I'm Tibbs, I'm benching him. If I'm Leon Rose, I'm trading him ASAP. I like Kemba, but right now he's he's becoming a distraction. Um, and mm. like the amount of minutes that he's getting is becoming a distraction. He's he is capable of dropping points and dropping buckets, 
and he has to have some for trade value because his contract isn't that high, but he's not helping the team win long-term. We suck at defense, and Kemba is a zero on defense. You know, him, yeah. him playing inspired offensive basketball allowed Fournier to play some more inspired defensive basketball and offense. You know, he dropped 37 points against the Celtics, which was nice to see. But ultimately, Kemba's a, a, a minus, uh, both on and now looks like off the court. I love Kemba, but, you know, I, I, I don't care to have him on this team right now. <laughs> I don't know why I feel so negative. It's, like, <laughs> it's pretty late. I love but... this guy, but I, I don't care for his existence. I feel that. I feel that. That's uh, You see, I mentioned this in our last pod. We as humans contain multitudes, and that just encapsulated it right there, bro. But no, nah, I feel you. I mean, here's the yeah, thing. What do, what do you people, think? Yeah, I mean, people were talking about just this, oh, Kemba's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still see an L on the, on the standings. And yeah. what it comes down to is Evan Fournier and Kemba. Okay, damn, y'all showed out against y'all exes. Congratulations! <laughs> like that's the yeah. best game that Evan Fournier plays since the opening night. You know what I mean? Against the Celtics. Like, yeah, this is two straight episodes now where I'm saying, "Yo, send his ass to the bench." And like, I get it. Like, you know, you want to show out. There's that emotional human element to it. But what it tells me is that like, when we were forced to give Evan Fournier more usage, more possessions, more touches, he balled out. So why wouldn't we move into the bench where he's gonna he's gonna be like the primary creator? It's just gonna be him and D Rose. You know what I mean? Like, say in this situation where you know, I'm a, I agree with you. Like with Kemba, it's I agree with Tibbs' initial point that like when everybody's healthy, you can't play three small guards in a situation where you're trying to be better defensively. You know, and say what you will about Kemba. You're going to tell me he's going to put up 29 points every night to cancel out the fact that he's a zero on defense. And you and I was bigging up his charges or him drawing charges early in the season. But that doesn't make up for the fact that, like, his his elite scoring nights are coming, like, every blue once in a blue moon. And I remember there was the Kemba kind of I, – I dig Kemba. I like Kemba. I don't want to seem like I'm shitting on him. But I remember people was, like, pointing to his percentages or his shooting percentages when he did get benched, you know, because it was pretty good. But all the all the lineup stats said that he was the anchor that brought everybody else down. And that's on offense, it was because Julius didn't know what the fuck to do. He didn't know whether to defer to him or they didn't like Kemba didn't know how to play as a three or four or number three or number four option with Fournier and RJ in the pecking order. So I'm on the same page with you. Like just trade him and then in an ideal world ideal world rather, I think Miles McBride Miles McBride rather starts. I think it's kind of jumping ahead, maybe, if you're kind of more of a conservative fan, because he's like, what, he was a 36 overall pick, he was a second round pick, but I think what you've seen from him so far is just, bro, he plays defense like, like Tibbs told him, yo, if you don't, if you don't shut your man down, you don't get to eat on the plane <laughs> afterwards, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like, he was just like, yo, you need to be in their jersey, like, I swear he probably smelled their cologne. Like, he probably was smelling like Axe body spray at the end of the night. Like, I don't know who he was guarding <laughs> at the time, but Houston Rockets is a lottery team, so I know they can't afford the expensive shit. But with McBride, I think that's what it comes down to. He's con- he's going to be in a situation where he's going to give you improved defense over Kemba or D-Rose while also deferring to Julius. Because I think at the end of the day, what, this, what we come to realize is Julius, if he's going to thrive or he's going to play to his best ability, it's with him as the primary uh, focal point in the lineup he's in. You know what I mean? That's why it hasn't been working with Fournier and Kemba. That's that's just who Julius is. So with 
Deuce McBride, I feel like he'd be able to play spot up because he could shoot that three. I, he was willing to do the pull-up three because that's that's what he's shown in Westchester and in Summer League. But that's that's what I would do. I would trade Kemba, start uh, start Deuce. What do you think? Yeah, I, w- I would trade Kemba. Um, but I don't know if I'd want Deuce to, to start just yet. He's he's played well in limited minutes, but that's all he's played. He's played limited minutes. And the thing is that the Knicks are not a good rebounding team, and that's why I liked Alec Burks. And now, you know, I, I want to address real quick because, you know, a lot of the people who really like Kemba Walker are going to point to the fact that the Knicks were, what, 10-9 and 9 or 11-9 and 9 with him, and then without him they're like 2-7. and 7. It's not... It's not just Kemba Walker. He's not the only reason that the Knicks were losing, and he's definitely not the reason why the Knicks were winning. But, you know, the the overall problem, and, you know, my partner said in previous episodes, it's systemic. There are a lot of problems throughout the team that need to be resolved, and Kemba Walker is and was a big problem on the team. They're just, there's so many stats that show it, you know, on and off the court. The Knicks are, you know, stats-wise, when, when he was first benched, they were, what, like fifth offensively and 25th, with him and not on the court and defensively it's, it's even crazier of a disparity but you know that being said with with deuce i i like him i i think he should definitely get more minutes but i don't think he's ready yet to be a starter and i, don't, I definitely don't think tibbs is gonna think he's ready to be a starter i i if i were tibbs i'd stick with alec burks but i want iq to be at the two let let them be able to run a little faster have that energy and deuce can really do what iq's been doing for the better part of two seasons and, you know, run and gun with D. Rose off the bench and do the pull-up threes, play hard-nosed defense, play with high energy. And, you know, he's a capable passer from what we've seen. You know, he's had – there are a lot of heads-up plays that he's done that we were surprised to see come out from a, you know, second-round draft pick rookie. And, mm. you know, let let IQ get some burn from the starter and take some pressure off of Randall because that, that boy don't know what he's doing right now. But yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd that's going to be Brooks. my next – yeah, yeah, that was going to be my next question, though. What, what are you going to do about Julius, bro? Because we addressed Kemba. I mean, we addressed kind of the point guard situation. We each have our kind of takeaways. But the elephant in the room at this stage, more than a quarter of the way of the season, uh, a quarter of the way through the season, is just what Julius is putting out on the floor uh, productivity-wise. So I know we you had brought up De'Aaron Fox with Julius in the last episode. You know what I mean? Are you kind of back on... Not back on, but like, are you more willing to trade Julius now, or what do you want to do with Julius right now? Basically, it's so it's so hard to choose, man. It's it's disappointing because he's been on the team for what three seasons, and he's played he's playing the way he is now, the way he did two seasons ago, and it was it was just a bad player who, for obvious reasons, we wanted off the team, and then he had a resurgence season and an all NBA kind of season. And we thought I'd carry over. And for whatever reason, and reasons that are unknown, he is just not capable or not able to bring that level of productivity. He, he's not. Just, I don't think he's just putting in the work. I think the whole team is is not putting in the work right now. But mm. you know, from from reports that I've seen, it doesn't look like he's the kind of guy who's kind of trying to stick it to to Tibbs at all. I think he's more of the conservative guy, who's respectful of Tibbs and trying to keep up, you know, at least the respect that he did last season. But I, from a personal standpoint, I don't know if he's putting in that work that he was last season. He just he just doesn't seem to be a leader. I have, I have no idea why. If they could come up with a good trade, now would be a good time. You know what I mean? I don't know if mm. De'Aaron Fox is the answer. I mean, it's not like his team has ever made it to the playoffs, but with all the young kids 
on the team, maybe with him on it and Obi starting at the four, and maybe the team will do well. But honestly, I have my doubts about that because you know Tibbs playing on a team that's mostly young kids under the age of twenty three. How many times has that ever really been successful? The dude needs veterans on his team to lead the way. He needs a superstar caliber player to lead the way. That's Randall. But throw it back to you. What do you think? I mean, to your point, though, you brought up De'Aaron Fox, or I may have brought him up and then throw it through the name back at you. But shout out to Vivek on Twitter. We recently brought back Dame Dotson today oh, with our, shout out. Harch, Harch, our hardship exception. Shout out to Dame Dotson. Dot, as we so affectionately called him. Whole team Dot. Here. Yes, sir. He apparently shares the same agent as De'Aaron Fox is the kind of tidbit that uh, Vivek dropped on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And that could be something. It could be nothing. (laughs) But we're Knicks fans, so we're going to lean towards something just because, I don't know, we ain't got shit else to do. Uh, the, the team basically ain't good enough to like for us to care to that level. I mean, we care. That's why this shit is, you know, that's why we're here talking. It just fucking hurts. Like... When you have expectations, it's the worst part, bro. <laughs> For real. It sounds like such a like a, like a fucking <laughs> most. That sounds that sounds sad as shit to say. But when you're the when you're, like I don't know, I don't want to sound like a cliche Knicks fan or just like sound like a, a meme at this point. But with this team, what it comes down to with Julius is basically like our what was being said before the season regression or fluke season, yada yada yada. We defended Julius because he's our guy. He's, he committed to us. He plays for our team. He brought us back to prominence. But me, personally, just given the kind of venom I displayed on this podcast towards Julius for his level of play in his first year with us, I was skeptical for like the first quarter to damn near halfway through last season about his level of play. Specifically, those tough-ass mid-range jumpers he was taking, bro. Each yeah. time, it was like, no, what are you doing? Oh, okay, swish. Okay, you got it. And then now, these are the same shots that he's attempting, you know, these ISO possessions that he kind of leans on as, like, his comfort food. They're not. Ma- he's not making them, bro. Like, shout-out to the Athletics Fred Katz. Um, he put out a, a – or he, you know, tweeted out or retweeted, like, uh, this tweet about – so far, 28 players have attempted 80 mid-range jumpers. And in terms of efficiency, of those 28, Julius ranks 28 out of 28. And he's shooting, he shot, he has shot 116 mid-range shots a season. Mm. Shooting 27%. Last year, and we clown like the analytics nerds on this podcast more than enough, even though you and I have some respect for analytics. Because they keep hammering home that whole, like, that regression motif. But it's looking like it's true with Julius, at least. Because that was one of the things they said last year. Like, is it sustainable for Julius to, like, hit those mid-range jumpers at the level that he did at an elite level when he's never done that before? And now what are we seeing? Like, it's not an open gym every night for Julius, bro. Like, that went from a meme and a joke to, like, it's looking like reality. Because 27% at the volume he's shooting these goddamn shits. Like, Zach Levine literally has the same number of attempts. He's shooting, like, let's see, 45% for mid-range, bro. That's damn near double what Julius is doing. I'm just disgusted, man. We, like, we big this man up in the offseason when he re-signed with us. And people will defend Julius on Nick's Twitter, on whatever the fuck. But we have to hold him to the higher standard because he is that guy on this team. And 
I was like, I'm more so coming with the venom because last year I'm a mellow stan. I was hearing people saying like, "Oh, he's having a better season than Melo ever did. He's doing more for the franchise than Melo ever did." Bro, shut the fuck up. Like, go home. Like that shit pissed me off back then. Now it's, it's infuriating looking at these fucking stats and looking at how Julius is fucking leading us. Melo would kill to have a, a roster this good. You know what I mean? Post 2013, post 2014, the kind of garbage we put Melo out there with in that time period. He would kill for a roster this good. So I'm not I'm not trying to hear it. Like y'all wanted to hold him up to that standard last season. I'm gonna hold Julius to the fire this year. It's fucking pissing me off seeing what he's doing right now. You know? That's a, that's the end of my rant. Yeah. <clears throat> and and <clears throat> just like Randall and someone else we need to hold accountable for is the reigning head coach of the year, Tom Thibodeau. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck kind of rotation this man's putting out there. And again, We'll say time and time again, Tibbs' basketball experience and knowledge way surpasses all of us combined. <laughs> Everyone who's listening to this, anyone who's ever listened to this, his basketball acumen surpasses all of ours. But I still can't, for the life of me, understand why the fuck his rotations are the way that, they, that they've been. I'm just going to interject and throw Tibbs some bail right now. Literally, our whole young core is in COVID protocol. So on that, on that standard, I can't rate his rotation patterns too harshly because yo he was i think i saw wayne selden got eight minutes the other night uh, wayne selden shouldn't get eight minutes in the china league bro like <laughs> no well so i can't be mad at tibbs right now i'm not even <laughs> talking the about let's let's exclude the last three games i'm talking about all the games prior why is why was obi still getting 16 17 minutes let, let me bring it back Go to ahead. julius though i think feel like every move that tibbs has made this season in terms of rotation is to try to get Julius going, playing at a more optimal level, bro. Like, taking Kemba straight up out the rotation, not even just benching him. He's making sure Kemba never sets foot on the court with Julius ever again. And the only reason that happened again is because of COVID protocols. Mm. I feel like Tibbs is trying to set up, and understandably so, he's a coach that has a max player or, like, you know, an all-star player, an all-NBA player. Obviously, you would want to maximize that player's abilities. So I feel like the very fact that we're talking about Obi's limited minutes, it's because he has this quote-unquote all-star, all-NBA player ahead of him. And that man is not living up to the reputation he's earned last year. He rightfully earned it last year. Just because it was rightly, rightfully earned doesn't mean we have to ignore the caveats. The caveats being the fact that, like, he was playing in front of 100 fans, like, straight up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was like an open, open gym, open run, L.A. fitness shit. Type shit, you know what I mean? And then we saw in the playoffs, he shot, like, what, 27% from the field? Like, Melo would jump off a fucking building if he shot 27% in a playoff series. Like, I'm still mad about that. Yes, I'm a Melo stan. I'm still mad about, like, I like Julius. I got a King Julius t-shirt. Shout out to the Knicks wall. But y'all was comparing him to Melo. Let's hold him to that same standard. Because Melo was getting undue, unruly kind of levels of criticism and critique when he was, like, playing with literal shit out there. Julius needs to get that same status right now when he's playing with a better team. And rant part two. Yeah. Get back to you. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying about Randall, but there's no excuse for, for Fournier to be playing the entire third quarter just to score two points. Mm. I forgot what game that was. But, no, the, the whole team in of itself needs, uh, like, you know, good look in the mirror and figure out what the fuck they're doing. Mitch... Stepped up against the Rockets, but overall as a season, it's not a good season. It, just his personality is just getting in the way of everything. Like he does not need to be on Instagram post game every game, talking about <laughs> his progress of being a plus six 
on the court. Like, like it's it's shit like that that's frustrating. Nerlens, I think, is only finally just starting to step up. I think whatever injuries he was dealing with earlier in the season is finally subsiding. He's not you know struggling as much as he was before. So I think at the center position there they are stepping up. Um, but nah, man. Ultimately, it comes down to Randall Tibbs. Fournier needs to step up. You know, a lot of these guys need to step up. And I, I don't know when the next time we're we're going to have a full lineup is. Apparently, these guys are still out of the rotation for, for God knows how long. And I don't know. I don't know why the NBA is still going along with these games. And they created this hard, hard exception situation where they're bringing all these G League players to start for these NBA teams. Like, it's it's like come playoff time, all this shit is going to come back to haunt a lot of these teams when they didn't have these players playing, except for the Lakers, apparently, because they don't fucking deal with COVID protocols, but all these other hmm. teams that are gunning for the play for playoff positioning, you know, they, they're going to look back at these games when they had no offense to Dame, but uh, Damon Dotson, but you know, he's not a starting caliber kind of player, but he's going to end up playing a lot of minutes, maybe in the next couple of games when we could, when we you couldn't got, you should have RJ. Not to interject, but you got to shout out the other new Nick too, Mr. Matt Mooney. <laughs> we just signed him today too. <laughs> I have no idea, but it sounds like it sounds like an extra from the Flint Tropics. You know what I mean? The the Will Ferrell movie. You know what I mean? Classic cinema right there. Sounds like a WWE but, wrestler. Matt Mooney, the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cruiserweight in the NXT division. Shout out, <laughs> shout out Vince McMahon. You bastard. Um, <laughs> but nah, bro. I mean. We could wax poetic about the kind of mediocre bullshit we've been served after the type of magical season we had last year, but I'm going to just close it out right now with this. We have three games this week against somewhat easy opponents. What's our prediction for those three games? What's your prediction? Uh, Who are they playing? They're playing the Pistons tomorrow. Pistons, Hawks. The Wizards. And, uh, and then the yeah, Nets. Wizards and, and Hawks. And the Hawks. Um, yeah. What's your prediction? I think the prediction that I gotta give is uh probably two one. No, sorry, three oh. Fuck the Hawks. I mean Treyon might not even play. Seemed like he ducking the smoke. It's cause he heard he's not good in Dykeman. <laughs> Shout out to Homie who said that on the side talk NYC uh 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 clip or whatever. He follows us on Twitter, so cool peoples. Um all right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm agree with you. We go three and zero. So, with that being said, we're gonna close out today's uh, episode. A little bit of Knicks talk, mostly Spider-Man talk. We know what the people want, so we're gonna leave you here. Thanks for joining us. Peace. Peace.